0: We're going to begin our worship, and our first item of praise is Psalm 65. <clears throat> Psalm 65, that's on, uh, on uh, page 82 of the Psalm books. We're singing to a tune, Paisley, uh, singing verses 1 to 7. In Zion praise awaits you, Lord. To you our vows will pay. To you all people will come near. You hear us when we pray. When we were overwhelmed by sins and guilt upon us lay, you pardoned all our trespasses and washed our guilt away. How blessed are those you choose and bring within your courts of grace. We're filled with blessings in your house, in, our most, in your most holy place. And so on, down as far as verse 7, in Zion praise awaits you, Lord. And we stand to sing.
1: In Zion praise with you, Lord, to you I
0: now going to call upon the Lord in prayer. Let's join together and call upon God in prayer. O Lord our God, we give thanks for the truth of these great words that we have been singing in your praise, (laughs) for the way that we come to you tonight knowing that you are the one who pardons our sin as we come seeking your forgiveness. You are the one who washes us from our guilt and sets us in your presence, in a way that is acceptable to yourself. We thank you for the manner in which you have chosen to do this uh, through all that the Lord Jesus Christ has done to provide us, O Lord, with the ground on which we can approach you, the salvation that we enjoy in our possession of it. And we thank you tonight that as you are the God who created uh, the creation that we have around us and ourselves, you are the one who formed and fashioned us, even in our mother's womb. You are the one who brought into being all that exists around us and all the universe, even the farthest planets which we cannot see and which we are assured exist in various galaxies throughout the universe. We thank you that they are all known to you, that you give names to the stars, each and every one. For you, uh, Lord, brought them into being. And so we marvel tonight that this great and glorious and holy God, who is so immense that we cannot uh, but touch the very fringes of his being in our knowledge of him. And yet, Lord, your interest in us as human beings, as fallen sinful human beings, has been to provide us with redemption. We thank you, Lord, for the saving touch of your hand upon us, Uh, the way in which you bring to your people the necessary uh, comfort and guidance and teaching, uh, all that we require, Lord, in this life uh, to overcome all that stands against us. We give thanks that you uh, are also the one who overcomes all that is true of our own limitation. You are the one who does not give us as we deserve or else we would not be approaching you this evening. But, O Lord, in Your mercy, You have provided us with redemption. And it is on the basis of that mercy and on the merits of the Lord Jesus Himself that we come to You this evening. Lord, bless us, we pray here, these moments that we are gathered together. As we know, O Lord, how important it is for us to take from these moments uh, the blessing that would truly, ble- uh, truly benefit us for this coming week but further, uh, blessed even towards eternity itself. We ask that your Holy Spirit will actively bless us this evening, that we may not be content with a mere attendance in this place of worship or with an even, uh, even an outward formality of gathering such a way as worshipers. Lord, we ask that you would bless us inwardly, touch our hearts, we pray, Instruct and enlighten us in our minds. Uh, Give us a new will that we may have that urgency of seeking your glory and seeking that we be dedicated and consecrated to you in all that we seek to do. Lord, we thank you as we reflect upon all that you have been to us thus far. And we can truly say that you have blessed us abundantly and that your blessings have exceeded our ability to number them, for your blessings reach us day by day. We thank you, Lord, for the blessings we have in the course of our ordinary life in this world, Uh, the things that we have recourse to enjoy day by day, the food that we eat, the shelter we have, the blessing of having friends and family, the many ways in which we are blessed under the gospel. Lord, help us not to take these things for granted. And even when we find how readily we can access food and clothing and provision, oh, Lord, And we pray that you would help us never to forget that we have them by your own blessing, lest we should indeed say that our own hand, our own ability, and our own deservingness have brought these things to us. You are the God who instructed your people Israel long ago as they prepared to enter the promised land, that when they came to inhabit houses that yet they had not built and fields that they had not cultivated a land that flowed with plenty. Then, Lord, you gave them warning that they were not to conclude, that it was by their own wisdom, or own ability, that they had produced these things. Help us too, we pray as a nation, as we come before you and pray for the people that we belong to. We ask, gracious one, that you would uh, come with your blessing and lift us up above uh, all that is uh, sinful, all that is uh, of human wisdom, Uh, And we pray that you would give to those who rule over us, especially that they be guided by your own word, by your truth, by your laws, by your promises. Uh, We pray for them, Lord, and ask that uh, as you instruct us in your word and require of us uh, to pray for those who are in authority. So we do so now and ask uh, as we pray for them that you would bless them and give them uh, counsel and wisdom uh, that is greater than their own and greater than any human being can produce. And so we pray that you would bless also, Lord, the situation we find ourselves in, in your providence. When we find so much that causes us concern, we think of those, Lord, tonight who are feeling the effects of the increase in costs and the cost of living. And we pray for those who have lost employment, those who are anxious about that, uh, those who need to care for their families. And wonder maybe from day to day if they're going to continue in employment. We pray for them. Uh, We pray, Lord, that you would uh, grant that the world that has affected matters so much when so many nations are tied together in terms of uh, economic uh, circumstances. Lord, we pray that you would bring a cessation of war, a cessation of violence, and grant to nations and people tonight that are beset with poverty that you would bless them and help us from the resources that we have as a people to care for them and to be pleased Lord to minister practically to them. We ask that you bless tonight those we know who are at this time mourning the passing of loved ones in this past week and in weeks gone by and even years. Lord we know that the wounds that are opened through these providences are ongoing in a sore and difficult way for many people. And we do pray that you would bless tonight uh, those here under the gospel and elsewhere who uh, require, Lord, the peace of God once again to come to calm their mind and to bring them assurance that you know their situation and that your provision for them in grace is always adequate to meet with our needs at all times. Bless our children, our young people as they grow up and as they come uh, to be taught at home in Sunday school in Tweenies and even in Creche Oh Lord, as they partake of gospel services here, we pray that you would bless this to them and uh, make us thankful, Lord, that we have them. Uh, for it gives us cause of uh, optimism for the future that we see young families and children coming to take their place in the uh, church of God on earth. and We do pray that they be uh, sanctified under your truth and grow up to be... Uh, to be true and lasting witnesses for you in the course of their life and for your grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Receive us now, we pray. Hear us and cleanse us from all our sin. We ask it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I'm going to sing again to God's praise. Our psalm this time is Psalm 37. This is in the Scottish Psalter on page 255. Page 255 in the Blue sand books. We'll sing from verse 34 down to verse 40. June this time is St. Kilda. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and thee exalt shall he, the earth to inherit, when cut off the wicked thou shalt see. I saw the wicked, great in power, spread like a green bay tree. He passed, yea, was not him I sought, but found it could not be. Mark thou the perfect, and behold the man of uprightness, because that surely of this man the latter end is peace. And so on to the end of the psalm from verse 34. Wait on the Lord.
1: Wait on the Lord and keep his
0: Let's turn now to read God's word. And we'll find our scripture tonight in John's Gospel and chapter 14. Gospel according to John, chapter 14. We're going to begin reading at verse 15 and we'll read on down to the end of this chapter. And of course, this is part of the teaching that Jesus gave the disciples as he was with them in the upper room just in the lead up to. His arrest and onto the cross, and so in John fourteen and verse fifteen we read as follows: If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me, because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise! let us go from here. Amen, and may God bless to us, our reading anew of his word. Before we turn to an aspect of that passage, let's sing once again, this time Psalm 85, Psalm 85, and that's on page 112. Sorry, it's 113. We'll sing from verse 8 down to the end of the psalm. The tune this time is Blaine worm. I will hear what God the Lord says. To his saints he offers peace. But his people must not wander and return to foolishness. Surely for all those who fear him, his salvation is at hand. So that once again his glory may be seen within our land. Love and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace embrace. Righteousness looks down from heaven, from the earth springs faithfulness. What is good the Lord will give us, and our land its fruit will bear. Righteousness will go before him, and his royal way prepare. These verses, I will hear what God the Lord says.
1: I will hear what God the Lord says to
0: For a short time, let us turn together uh, to Matthew. Uh, sorry, to John, chapter fourteen, and verse twenty-seven. So it's John, chapter fourteen, and verse twenty-seven in particular. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. It's all too obvious, isn't it, as you look out over the world and even over our local community as well, that our troubled world needs peace. It needs a peace that we ourselves, however, cannot produce. There are so many things that you see in the events of the world, even at the present time, that make it obvious that the need for peace is acute between wars, terrorism, famine, diseases, pandemic still, uh, aspects of that pandemic still lingering on even amongst our own community, the rise in the cost of living, the shortage of material goods, uh, the increase obviously of anxiety throughout all, through all of these uh, and other things. So many things in your own life personally and my life personally that cause us anxiety, Anxiety and worry over the future, over loved ones, over those who are ill, over the loss of loved ones. Events that take place regularly in human life but that affect all of us at some point from time to time. The world and we ourselves in it need peace. We require our hearts to be calmed. We require an assurance from God that all is well in his hands, that whatever we are experiencing, he does not make mistakes. And here tonight we have a verse that tells us of Christ's legacy of peace, the legacy of peace that he brought to the disciples' notice as he spoke to them here. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And especially as you look out over the world tonight and a search for peace and where peace is to be found, sadly all too often people even at the highest level of government are looking for peace in all the wrong places. For all the good intentions that people have of having peace between nations and peace between communities, for as long as you look mainly uh, to political and economic means of achieving peace. It will never be the kind of peace that our heart needs. It will never be the true and lasting peace that we were designed to enjoy in our creation by God. And our Christian minds tell us that there is a peace that surpasses every other peace. And it is this peace that Jesus spoke of and that he is pleased to give to those who trust in him, to those who are his disciples. My peace I am giving to you, not as the world do I give to you. There is the great contrast between the search of the world, and the world in John is the world of human beings in rebellion against God mainly, the world in its own antagonism to God's truth. Not as the world gives do I give to you. My peace I give to you. The peace, the source of peace for us tonight, this peace is Jesus. This peace that he speaks of here as a legacy that he has passed on to all who come to place their trust and confidence in him. Well, of course, in verse 28, he tells us something of the situation that caused the disciples here anxiety. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. Now, of course, at that stage, they couldn't fully understand uh, what he was actually saying here. He was preparing them for his actual physical departure uh, from this world, and of course, they could not possibly imagine what it would be like to not have him present with them. They were anxious, thinking about the very, uh, the very uh, matter of, uh, of, of Jesus no longer being with them Teaching them, directing them, sometimes correcting them, but he is there. And he's there since they became disciples. And now they have the prospect of him going away. How are they going to cope? How will they manage? All of that is causing them so much anxiety. And that's why Jesus now directs their thoughts to the peace that he is going to leave with them, the peace that comes through His work of the cross, through His death and resurrection, this spiritual peace, the peace that surpasses every other type of peace we know of. And so tonight that's what we want to give our minds to for a little time, looking firstly at this peace as a legacy of peace, a peace that comes as a spiritual legacy to all of God's children, to all of God's people. And secondly, and more fully, it's actually a unique peace, which he calls here, my peace I'm giving to you. It's unique because, for one thing, it's Christ's peace that he's passing on to his disciples. It's unique because it contrasts with the peace that the world is able to give, the kind of peace that it's able to give. And it's unique because it is also a calming peace. Let not your hearts be troubled. He's saying, in the light of the peace that he's going to give them. So it's also a legacy of peace. You notice how he begins here peace, I am leaving with you, my peace I'm giving to you. Now, that's the language of legacy or will making or leaving a legacy to people. You know yourself very well what that entails. And when somebody's making out a will, uh, the will specifies that this is what's going to happen after I'm no longer here, after I'm dead, after I'm gone. This is what I'm leaving. This is who I'm leaving it to. Uh, this is my will and testament, my last will and testament. And this is what you will then possess, uh, that person the testator is saying, this is what I'm leaving to you. This is what you will possess when I'm no longer with you. And this is exactly what Jesus is saying in spiritual terms. He is making out a legacy of peace to them that has come through his own death. Just as it is in the ordinary uh, sense in which we have a legacy that's made out to those that are following us, those that benefit from our last will and testament, Jesus is saying, here is my last will and testament for you. Here is my peace that I'm leaving with you, that I'm bequeathing to you, that I'm passing on to you. And for that, of course, we need to realize that the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus is part of his will-making process. It is through that that he comes to leave, that he came to achieve this peace and passes it on to his people. Remember he says in John chapter 10, um, in verse 17, how he says there that he is laying down his life, uh, where he says there, Um, For this reason, my Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to to take it up again. This this charge I have received from my Father. You see what he's saying there? God, the Father, had given to him, God the Son, um, this particular uh, authority to lay down his life to actually give his life for his people, to take the death which we deserve for our sin, to take that to himself, and then by his resurrection from the dead, overcome death triumphantly, and therefore obtain and receive for his people a legacy of peace. That is how our peace, the spiritual peace that you have as a Christian, that's where it came from, it wasn't manufactured by ourselves. It's not something that was invented by the church. It's not something that any, any, anyone short of Jesus himself has a hand in. It is the peace of Christ, the peace that he died to obtain and rose from the dead to obtain. Now, you see, if you go forward in John's Gospel to chapter 19, um, you'll find some, something very interesting there. And chapter 19 at verse... Uh, uh, sorry, at chapter... Um, Chapter 20, I'm sorry, at verse 19. Chapter 20 and at verse 19. Where you find Jesus, of course, having risen from the dead on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And then you read in verse 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So, twice there, he's saying, peace be with you, may this peace indeed be yours. But you see what's in between, sandwich between those two statements where he says, peace be with you, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Why is that there? Why is it arranged in that way? Why does he say, first of all, peace uh, peace be with you, and then show them his hands and his side, and then again repeated, peace be with you? Well, because he's demonstrating for them there that the peace he's talking about has come to them through his hands and his side, the wounds that actually uh, there confirm that he is the same Jesus who died and is now risen from the dead. And that's so important, a point in our theology. This is not a different Jesus. This is not a different person. It's the same person and now in the state of life beyond death, life over death, life having accomplished uh, this wonderful salvation for His people. And it is in relation to the evidences of His death, now as the risen Christ that He says, Peace be with you. How important that emphasis is. How important it is for you and for me tonight that that's the arrangement the gospel actually sets before us in terms of the peace that we need, the peace that Jesus has for us. It's peace that he bequeaths to us. It's a legacy of peace that we draw from. It's a peace that he is pleased to hand over to us. But you don't get it without himself. You don't have this peace in your heart and leave Jesus out of your life. You don't get this peace to enjoy in your own experience unless you have already come to know Jesus as your Savior. He's talking here to his disciples, to those who have started to follow him, to those who have come to trust in him. And here you are tonight, and you're looking for peace, and you need peace, and I'm looking for peace, and I need peace. I need my heart to be calmed. I need my heart to be assured that there is a peace that I cannot manufacture myself, that there is a peace that will indeed, in a sense, take care of my worry and my anxieties, and here it is. And how do I get it? I get it by trusting in the one whose peace it is. I get it by putting my faith in Christ, by giving myself to him, by saying, Lord, I need this peace, and I cannot produce it, and I'm going from one day to the next, and I know that I still don't have it. And even if I do have it, I need more of it. I require it to be again and again multiplied for me. My peace I give to you. Do you have peace in your heart tonight? I'm not asking, have you any anxieties? We all have anxieties. What I'm saying, I'm asking is, on the basis of this scripture, Do you have peace in your heart? Do you have this peace? Can you say with Horatio Spafford all these years ago in his hymn um, After the Loss at Sea that we spoke of not so long ago where his wife and children perished in the Atlantic where he composed this, this hymn as he went back from America to this country and where the captain of that ship as he came to the point where As near as possible was where the ship his uh, family had been on sadly collided with another vessel and sank. Lord, he said, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Whatever things come my way, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Why was that? How could he say that? Well, he could say it because he knew the peace of Christ. And he knew that the peace of Christ overcame whatever anxieties or situations in his life he needed to face. It didn't mean he didn't weep. Of course not. It didn't mean we don't actually express our anxiety to God. But here is the peace that comes to calm our hearts, to give us assurance that when we cannot actually put it all together, when we cannot see how everything fits together in the experience that we're going through, in the loss that we're experiencing, in the hurt that we're experiencing, in whatever it is that has come our way that causes us anxiety and pain and distress, when we can't put it all together, when we cannot weave that tapestry, we can come to God and we can be assured, it's all right, it's in my hands. It's my peace you need, and it's my peace I'm pleased to give you. You see, so tonight, whatever it is that you and I uh, have anxiety about, it might be something entirely unknown to anyone else. It might be something within your family circle. It might be something to do with your work, your place in the world. But the beauty of this peace is it doesn't really matter what the source of the anxiety or the lack of peace is, here is God's provision and God's solution. My peace I give to you. It is well, it is well with your soul when your life is safe in the hands of Jesus. So, there's a legacy of peace, a peace that came through His own death and resurrection to us. But it's a unique peace as well. It is, as he says, his own peace. It's Christ's peace, my peace. You see, Christ is both the testator and the executor through the Holy Spirit of administering this peace. He has gone out of this world uh, physically, but he is still present with his people through his Holy Spirit. That's what we read there. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. There's the uniqueness of Jesus. He is someone who has made out a last will and testament of peace to his people, and he has gone physically from this world. But you cannot say of him that he is like every other testator, like every other person who's bequeathed things to those that are coming after him. They themselves are gone. There's no sign of them. But that's not the case with him. I will come to you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will give you the Helper, the Holy Spirit, And when he has come, I will come, and my Father will come and make our home with you. And there is Jesus assuring us of his own presence. And uh, my peace, of course, again signifying the uniqueness of that peace as his. Matthew Henry, the Puritan commentator, um, put it this way. When Christ left the world, he made his will. His soul he bequeathed to his father. He remembers words on the cross, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. He He bequeathed his soul to his father, his body to Joseph. His clothes fell to the soldiers. His mother he left to the care of John. But what should he leave his poor disciples who had left all for him? Silver and gold he had none, but he left them, What was far better, he left them his peace. He left them his peace. The best thing he could give them is what he left for them this peace. It is Christ's peace. But you see, he's saying it's also very much a contrasting peace. It's unique because it is his, it is his personally, it's what he died to achieve. And it's uh, unique because it contrasts with the peace that the world gives. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Well, if you go to Ephesians, um, Ephesians chapter 2, let me just read there from verse 13 uh, of Ephesians uh, chapter 2. And verse 13, uh, where you find, uh, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ, by the death of Christ, for he himself is our peace. And he goes on to speak about reconciling Jew and Gentile together in in one body, in one spiritual body, in one church. But you see what he's emphasizing there is he himself is our peace. He is our peace in every sense. He is our peace. When we have him, we have this peace. It doesn't mean we're not going to have difficult times or struggles in life. It doesn't mean we're not going to have things which challenge us, even in terms of our mental health, as well as our spiritual health and our, and, and our physical health. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have any of these things uh, to actually face up to in this world. But here is Jesus saying, this is my peace. He is our peace. I am your peace. So tonight, in order to have peace with God in order to have peace in your own soul, peace with other people. Here is what you and I need more than anything else, to have Jesus himself as your peace. You cannot have peace without him. You will never have peace without him. You will never have an assurance in your soul that all is well if Christ is still out of occupancy of your heart. If you have not actually received him willingly, in the offer of the gospel, and installed him by faith in your heart to be your living king. But having that, he is saying, my peace I give to you. Now, isn't that such an important point, not just for ourselves, but in the emphasis that we have in the gospel to bring to the world and that world out there in its need that doesn't really want to come to know the church or to know the gospel or to know salvation sadly, sometimes you find the gospel itself adjusted so as to take account of the peace of the world, to actually have things the way the world sees it, or the prevailing culture, to fit in with the tone of the prevailing culture, which seeks to cross out some of the more, let's say, offensive, at least offensive to our human natural thinking, the things of the gospel itself. We can actually tone that down a wee bit. We don't need to emphasize things like God is actually one who has wrath as well as love. Uh, we don't need to really just emphasize for people that there's a hell to be avoided and a heaven to be gained, that sort of stuff. Because the gospel is as Jesus gave it to us. Salvation from our sins. Salvation into His righteousness. Righteousness deliverance from our lack of peace with God, our broken relationship with God. And this is the peace that stands as the entire opposite. When you come to have himself, you have this peace. And you have that peace because Jesus died to obtain it. In other words, you can't really, you can't, and, and I learned this from My own experience, as well as yourselves, I'm sure many of you can follow that, for quite a long time, well, for certainly for many months, after the Lord had begun to show me my sin and the seriousness of my sin, what did I start doing? I started trying to produce peace. I started trying to actually keep the commandments of God to tidy up my life to do things which, by my own doing and my own performance, would hopefully get me out of this lack of peace and this sense of guilt that I had in my soul. And of course, the more I tried that, the more I failed. And the more you will fail if you try that, because none of that will give you this peace. You cannot do it by your own obedience outwardly to the law of God. You need to have, as we said previously, Jesus for yourself. You need to have Him willingly received into your heart. That's where this new peace begins. That's where this peace begins, in a new heart. Now, turning around of your heart in the direction of your life, my peace I leave with you. And, of course, that extends even into the wider world as well. In many ways, you can admire the attempts of politicians to bring about peace between warring nations, uh, whether it's in Ukraine, Russia, uh, wherever it is, in Sudan, wherever it is in the world, you have uh, violence and war. You admire the attempts made by certain political figures to try and bring about peace. How often is Jesus mentioned in that? How often is God's peace mentioned at all in relation to lasting peace? Very little, if any, reference is made to it because it's all at our own attempts at producing peace, and well-intentioned though they may be, and preferable though that may be to people setting out to kill each other. Nevertheless, it's not this peace. This peace is God-produced, Christ-manufactured. This peace is impregnable, unlosable. It's a peace that goes on for eternity, And you know, if you and I want to know that peace throughout the whole of uh, existence or life in heaven has to begin here. And we extend that, as you say, to the wider world, to nations. If you go back to uh, Greek and Roman uh, uh, paganism and practice, very often you would find um, the Greek had a goddess called Erene, which is the Greek word for peace, Actually, used in the New Testament as well. But often the portrayal of Irene in, in statues was with a little boy, uh, a young boy, either beside her or being carried. And that boy was Pluto, uh, the god of prosperity and wealth. Because there is the world's way of trying to fit together things which bring peace. There is Irene, the figure of peace, and she's carrying along in her. Possession, Pluto, the god of wealth and prosperity. That's how our world thinks. That's how you and I think as we are in ourselves. You have the same thing in Roman mythology as well. The goddess Pax, she wore a laurel wreath on her head, so uh, indicating worldly fame and worldly honor and worldly ability. That is how the world thinks. That is how the world seeks to produce peace. If I have enough wealth, if I have enough to actually make a, a good go of things in life. If I get something to do with prestige, if I actually make it to the top of the tree or the top levels of society, and I'm bound to have peace. You ask the greatest, uh, the most, um, the richest person in the world tonight. Do you have peace in your soul? Are you free from anxiety over your possessions? And of course, they will say, unless they're Christians. No, I don't, because nothing of that itself will bring peace. In fact. The more we have of worldly things, and the more we live for that itself, the less peace we're going to enjoy, because all you're doing is drawing more and more anxiety into your life. There's nothing wrong with wealth in itself. There's nothing wrong with prosperity in itself. There's nothing wrong with advancing out of poverty in itself, but there's a lot wrong with making that your God, and looking for peace through those means. The peace of God is different. It also has a figure of a boy born in Bethlehem who came to wear a crown of thorns before he wore the crown of glory, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's why he's saying, Not as the world do I give you, my peace I give to you. And it's not only just that. Uh, Christ's peace and contrasting peace, it is a calming peace. You see what he immediately says? Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. It's a calming peace. It's a peace that's designed to bring us in our very hearts and our souls. That calming influence of this peace that assures our hearts that whatever we're experiencing outwardly or even inwardly in our minds, this peace of God keeps us, maintains us. You see, I remember we not so long ago went through uh, the, the letter to the Philippians, uh, where Paul, as he came near the conclusion uh, of that uh, epistle, you remember, uh, maybe reflect on, on what we saw there, uh, where he um, uh, in chapter 4 and at verse 6 uh, said uh, this is how he wrote to the philippians um, where he said after he was saying, rejoice in the lord always he said don't be anxious about anything he means be over anxious but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to god and as we saw there there's an important element of thanksgiving as part of the requests we make to God. We don't make our requests without thanksgiving. And part of the problem of the world and the problem of your own heart and mind, naturally until God brings us to see differently, part of the problem is that we don't realize that all the things that benefit us actually come from God anyway. You go into the supermarket, how many people go into the Cope or into Tesco and stop for a moment as they go in there and say, How thankful I am that God has provided this for me. Because it doesn't seem to most people that's where it's come from. But it's in the kindness and the providence of God, whose provision and wisdom overarches every event of life, that we have the benefits and the relative prosperity that we enjoy. And that's what he said with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Don't be over-anxious about anything. What did he then say? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, the figure there is of the Roman soldier. A military term that that, that Paul took and applied there to the peace of Jesus. He's saying when you make your request known with thanksgiving to God, when you seek to draw from God what is going to adequately meet your anxieties and your need and your over-anxieties at times, then what you find is that the peace of God becomes a garrison round your heart. It guards your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I'm not saying by any means that we have the experience of enjoying this peace every single moment of every day. Now, it doesn't work like that for most people anyway. But still, you as a Christian know, I'm sure, that when hard times do come and your mind does have anxiety and you do have troubles in your heart, the same as Jesus is saying, hey, let not your heart be troubled, you still know of this underlying peace that you can rely on and that flows through your life and that assures you that in the midst even of all your troubles, Jesus' peace is designed for you. And it's a peace that's designed to calm your heart, to bring you assurance, to bring you the fruit of prayer itself and thanksgiving to garrison your heart and mind. Well, here is Christ's legacy of peace. He is leaving this as left this to the disciples, to be administered by the Holy Spirit throughout the course of life. And here is Christ's unique peace, because it's Christ's peace, my peace, he says. And it's a contrasting peace. It's not as the world gives, he says. It's a calming peace, a peace designed to meet our troubled hearts and to assure us of God's love. So tonight, let me ask myself, where is my peace? Where is the source of my peace? And you must ask yourself too, where am I looking in this world? Where am I looking for peace? Where is the source of peace? the peace that will calm my heart and be a garrison to me in my troubled times. Do I have Jesus? Have I really received Christ? And if I have received him, well, whatever troubles come my way, I know that it is well with my soul when this peace that Jesus died for is a peace I am assured of possessing when I give my life to him. Is that how it is, dear friend, with yourself? And if not, well, you know what to do. If you don't have this peace tonight, then you know who you need. You need this Jesus for yourself. You need him urgently. You need him to meet all your anxieties, not just one or two. And when you receive him, all is well between yourself and God, and you will have this peace as his legacy to enjoy forevermore. May God bless his word to us. Let's pray. Lord, grant tonight that we may know your peace in our hearts, that we may have that experience of your Holy Spirit ministering peace to our troubled souls. Lord, teach us, we pray, in the midst of all that troubles us in this life, Teach us to look to you. Uh, Teach us to draw our peace from you. Uh, Teach us to enjoy your peace even in the midst of the troubles and the assurance that you know all that is is, uh, required by us. Bless tonight those who have troubles and anxieties, sometimes beyond what most other people have. Uh, Bless, Lord, any tonight here who have uh, troubles that they know are greater than they themselves can manage. And Lord, we pray that your own peace will indeed be their portion. And we pray that you would give them that calmness of heart to continue to trust in you even when their situation is challenging. And so hear us now and be with us throughout the remainder of this week, we pray. And all we ask is in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. We're now going to conclude our service this evening singing in Psalm 72, Psalm 72 on page 92, and these verses 1 to 7 to attune Duke Street. This is a messianic psalm, a psalm that brings us to consider Jesus, the King of His people, and here is a prayer for the Lord to endow the King with justice. Uh, so that the peace that is his, peace particularly, will come and blossom in the world. Endow the king with justice, Lord, the royal son with righteousness, your people, your afflicted ones. He'll judge with truth and uprightness. Verses 1 to 7 to God's praise.
1: And I, the king, with justice law.
0: To the door down to my right this evening. And now may grace and mercy and peace from God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit rest and remain with you now and evermore.